Welcome back to Want to Watch here on Get Football Plus, where we take a look at some of the top up-and-coming future stars of the footballing world. I'm Alfred, I'm your host for today, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kish. How are you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm all good, bro. Um, coming to the end of a, of a transfer window now, so it's, I don't think it's been the most busy of January transfer windows. It's been, been quiet as, as any I can remember. Um, but there's definitely still some interesting deals going on, and I'm sure it will heat up a bit um, towards the end of it. Yeah, especially considering uh, last year's winter transfer window, uh, where Chelsea kind of blew it out, blew, blew it off the out the roof, um, spending I think over like 200 million or something like that on the likes of uh, maybe even 300 million on the likes of uh, Enzo Fernandez. Madrid, uh, Badiashil, Madueke, Gusto, uh, etc., etc. So yeah, a huge, yeah. huge, so huge window. window. That's that's ridiculous to me. Like to think, I mean, to think they spent all that in one in one winter window, mid season, and then none of those players have really shone shone that much that I can think of, um, or at least the whole the whole squad hasn't. So that's 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 crazy to me. Um, the best January window I can think of is is the Spurs one. Um, I mean, of recent years, where they got two current key key players, um, both from Juventus in Kulusevski and Bentancur. I think it was something like thirty five million combined, or something like that, um, which is like for a double deal for players of that quality. That's that's a ridiculous January. Yeah, whenever a team. Um, is able to sign like two or three players who actually end up end up sorry breaking through into the starting eleven that quick. Uh, you can definitely tell it's a good window. I think Spurs are having a decent window this year as well, right? Uh, signing Radu Dragusin from Genoa, uh, Timo Werner on loan as well, um, and also I think another big part of transfer windows uh, on top of the incoming players, of course, is uh the um, selling or getting rid of players as well and i feel like spurs has done really well uh, on that side of things as well offloading uh some dead weight maybe with uh, the likes of uh ivan perisic and hugo Lloris. um and getting well. getting sorry what were you saying and eric dyer as well as the other one um, yeah, eric dyer as well some good loans which i think um, is another thing that probably goes a bit unnoticed in January that that some clubs which Spurs have done, which probably and other other clubs have done, is kind of reviewing loans. So I guess if a young player is not is either doing too well on a loan, so that he probably needs to be playing at a high level, higher level, or if they're not kind of getting game time, then they can kind of be recorded and sent out elsewhere. So Spurs have done a couple of those, and um, I think that's another kind of feature of a, of a January window. Yeah, even Liverpool did that um, this this year with uh, Carvalho calling him back from Leipzig and sending him out to the championship. Can't remember what what club. Whole city, um, yeah, yeah, whole city. Um, but yeah, definitely just a good time to do general uh, squad management. Uh, I guess I, I know that we've spoken about uh, winter windows in the past in a past episode, uh, and one of the main things that comes up in these discussions is whether it's fair or not i guess um being able to readjust your squad um and having that power to kind of um disbalance what has been going on in the first half of the season uh especially with seasons like this one where you have so many 
kind of surprising teams um, making a making a run for the top spots. When you look at Girona in Spain or Stuttgart, uh, even Bayer Leverkusen, the likes of those, um, it's always kind of scary uh, with these type kind of uh, exciting teams, exciting projects. Kind of scary to see how their second half goes if they ever do end up. Uh, losing some of their key, key key players during the winter window. So far, it's gone all right, but I, I was kind of scared for Girona for a sec. That, um, the likes of Alex Gar- Garcia, for example, or even uh, Salvio was linked to Man City at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can, I can agree with, with you there. I guess if you look at it from the other side of things, um, if you look at it from the player point of view, then it's always kind of a second chance for those players who aren't getting enough minutes. Um, so... I think, yeah, for, from the other angle, it is, it's kind of probably very useful, but it can be detrimental to, to teams that are doing also well. I think Nice was another example of that. I know they're not, they're probably not going to challenge PSG come the end of the season, but I know they were doing sort of there and thereabouts, and Tadebo is being heavily linked away, but that seems sort of sort of quietened down now. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's 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 always kind of nice when you see a player want to see out the season with with a club that. That might be pushing for really special things that season, um, even if kind of a bigger club is interested in them, because you know it's risky at times. You can have a second half of the season that doesn't go as as well, and then the the interest from that bigger club goes. So so it's it's, it's a difficult decision for players, I think. Yeah, and it's it's up to the club as well, I guess. At the end of the day, uh, you mentioned Nice. I think Nice have been re- doing really well. Uh, keeping a hold of Tadebo and Kevin Turan for so long, um, especially coming from the Ligue 1, uh, often Ligue 1 clubs, as soon as they have uh, a player who kind of breaks through and, and gets the hype going on the transfer market or gets some interest from some of the top clubs, like they, they're they not very hesitant to letting them, letting them go as long as the paycheck is all right. Not even necessarily like an insane paycheck, just as long as the paycheck is decent, they'll they'll kind of let him go. Um, and Nice has done the opposite of that, which is really encouraging, I guess, for the other league and clubs, uh, which I think probably not only Nice has done that um, in recent times, but yeah, it is a it is a good thing to see, I guess. Um, but yeah, so for today, uh, what we kind of had in mind was to both uh, select are um, maybe the teams we thought were having the best transfer windows so far, or at least um, a good transfer window, which has kind of gone under the radar. Basically, just a team that we want to talk about and and go into depth about um, some of the transfers or rumors uh, surrounding their their window moves so far. So maybe you could start start us off with your team. Yeah, um, my ones I think come very recently in terms of their transfer dealings seems to have suddenly kick-started in the last days even, maybe the, a week or so. Um, but that's West Ham, um, who have been hit by a bit of an injury crisis of recent weeks. Um, the lights, their kind of key attacking players have been either gone to AFCON or, or injured. So you're looking at Kudus, who's now going to be back at West Ham because Ghana have been knocked out but Kudus and Paqueta and Bowen both picked up injuries so that's kind of their their three main attacking players um but I think they also needed some sort of surgery in their squad elsewhere um and they look to be sort of 
becoming more active in the <clears throat> in the latter parts of the window. So first, the first one that I was going to mention is Calvin Phillips, who looks to be moving there on loan. Um, I think there's an option to buy in there as well. It's not announced yet, but it looks likely to happen. Um, and obviously, Calvin Phillips was fantastic at Leeds. Um, difficult to know where he's at fitness-wise. Um, I know there's been some concerns there. But for what West Ham need and are missing in midfield, I think he's a really, really good option and someone who suits what they're kind of missing is that kind of passer from deep. Um, he can spray balls from left to right. He can, at his fittest, can cover ground very well. Um, it will it's the, see it's it the Declan Rice replacement, right? Yeah, I guess that they took they took the option of replacing Declan Rice with kind of a few players, and yeah, and that was like Kudus, Ward, Prowse, and Alvarez. Um, but need, none of them can kind of pass a ball like um, Calvin Phillips. And I think in a sort of transitional style that David Moyes plays, I think him kind of launching attacks from from deep with his kind of passing range will be really effective for them. Um, and along with his kind of defensive abilities too, I think I think it will be a good signing as long as he's fit enough. Yeah, that's definitely the main question uh, surrounding Calvin Phillips. Uh, how, how fit is he? Um, I think he's made a few appearances this season uh, compared to last season where he barely ever played, uh, specifically in the Champions League, I think, or maybe the FA Cup, I can't, I'm not too sure, but he, he did get a few starts this season, I want to say, um, and was decent in those games. Obviously, even if you're not playing at Man City, like you're training every day with probably the best manager in the world um, and with the, the best squad in the world and the best youngsters and just basically in the best uh, club situation possible. So even if you're not playing, like you're definitely um, developing as a player and learning a lot, I think, uh, especially when you're playing in the same position as Rodri, who's pretty much the best center defensive man in the world at the moment. So I think even if he isn't fit, like it's definitely a good move for West Ham, um, who, even though, as you said, have, have done a lot of re- recruitment to replace Declan Rice, uh, are still kind of missing that player. Uh, obviously, they have Edson Alvarez and Suchek, who can both play CDM, but they're both kind of similar in the way that they're... Um, more on the, I want to say, destroyer side of things, like kind of winning the ball with power and, and just kind of covering a lot of ground. Yeah, while... I guess Suchek, Suchek's like a runner, um, big engine, I guess. Yeah, covers lots of ground, like you say, and Alvarez, is, I guess, is more of their sitter, um, but it's not going to offer much in possession, um, as you said, like a destroyer. And I think Phillips can offer a bit more quality in possession while also being sort of stable defensively. Um but yeah, it's, it's it's a weird it's a weird way around replacing Rice with like numerous profiles. Um because obviously they had Ward Prowse as well. So um but I think I think West Ham's recruitment has been pretty strong recently. Yeah, it's it's been insane. I don't I don't think when they sold Rice, I don't think West Ham were expecting to be at halfway through the season in at sixth place place, uh still competing for the Champions League spots, basically. Um, I think last season they won the Europa League and kind of thought it would be the maybe a, yeah conference league conference, yeah, yeah. conference league yeah sorry yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're kind of thinking it would be like a transitional season 
um, maybe selling off rice. Um, it was time to maybe rotate into a, um, I don't know, a different squad. And maybe it would take a few, two, two or three seasons to build back up to that level of play. But yeah, the, the recruitment last season was pretty much on point. Um, and now if they do manage to sign Calvin Phillips on top of uh, some of the other players that they're going for, they could definitely be in a very good spot pushing for the Champions League come the, come the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I think the even more exciting transfer that, that West Ham are looking likely to complete as well is for a young 18-year-old winger, I believe. Might be 19 now. Um, let me just double-check his age. But he's... Um, a player from FC Nordjylland, um in Denmark, but he's coming through the famous um, Right to Dream Academy, which is the kind of elite Ghanaian academy, I guess, currently, which is where Kudus also came from. Um, yeah, he's 19. So he's uh, Ibrahim Osman, um, who is a very exciting winger. Um, and I think even though West Ham have got these three attacking exciting players in Bowen, Paqueta and Kudus. I think Usman will offer something different. I think um, he's a pure winger, a 1v1 kind of um, demon. He's sort of will run at his fullback relentlessly with pace and dribbling ability. Um, he's got that kind of acceleration from a standing start where defenders sort of can't cope at times with him just because of that sheer like speed um and change of direction um he's a project though and i think that's sort of what they needed there i think they've got three sort of established front players as you'd say i, I guess bowen has kind of been more utilized as a nine recently with antonio being out and then you've got kudos and paqueta i think kudos more on the right and paqueta on the left and obviously they're not out and out wingers but um in the, in the system that West Ham play, it's very transitional. It's very like off the cuff. Um, they're, they're sitting back and they're looking to to catch teams on the break. And I think that's less about, you know, positional play and, and, and sticking to your area, but more about, okay, what can we do from this kind of counter? And I think Osman is someone who he's rapid and he'll, 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 he'll grow into kind of a different option for West Ham than what they have. Yeah, as you said about Osman um, kind of being a project, when you look at the like recent departures from uh, the Right to Dreams last Nordjylland kind of um, combo, um, Kudus like, had two or three seasons at Ajax be- before making that big step to like one of the top, top clubs, top, top leagues. Um, <clears throat> Ernest Nwama, who was kind of the, the winger who was replaced by Osman in that side, um, moved to Lyon. And even even there, he's even though Lyon has been struggling this season, like he hasn't necessarily proven um, what, what the hype was about so far. Um, and even I think even for him, uh, moving up to, to Ligue 1 and Lyon, who had, like as, as a starter for Lyon, you do have a lot of responsibilities, a lot of pressure. I think even for him, it might have been a, maybe a step too high too soon even though i still believe that he will like on the in the long run uh live up to the expectations but like yeah so far he, he's been kind of disappointing and so um in that sense i feel like uh moving on osman might be a bit of a risk 
uh, I think maybe the best move would be to loan him out right away to Dutch League or League A maybe, but I'd say Dutch League is probably the the best league to develop a, a young attacking player at this point. Um, but yeah, maybe 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 he will perform right away, uh, especially in in that transitional play that that West Ham do tend to use, like that pace and acceleration can definitely be useful at least off the bench uh for now um and yeah i'm excited to see how he performs yeah i think in in ernest norma's case i think that was a player i was so sure on so it's it's difficult to know why exactly it hasn't worked out for him um i think stylistically they're not that dissimilar um i think norma's probably got better ball striking currently um but that yeah that, that it's that kind of another one is Kamaldine Sulemano who went to Southampton. Um, it's yeah. that kind of they seem to be producing a lot of kind of one v one specialist wingers. I guess um, the issue with with Osman at West Ham, I think, is because they get they don't get many chances just just through the way they play. And I think one of the West Ham's main qualities is how decisive they are on counter attacks. And and Bowen is a is a main kind of reason for that because he's such a good finisher and he's so kind of efficient in those final third areas and I think Osman would probably suit going to a possession side um, if he was going to be loaned out just so that he could have lots of touches of the ball kind of um, refine his final product refine his shooting um, crossing etc um, so that when he is maybe used by West Ham he can have more kind of efficiency in that final third um, because I would worry at the moment that he'll he won't suit that if you know what I mean maybe maybe Stade René um, in Ligue 1 who had Suleymana who had Doku recently who kind of are used to using that type of winger that's like main quality is pure like dribbling skills and, and pace and explosivity I think that, that could be a, a decent move uh, Ren are struggling this season as well, so they'd definitely be looking to bring on some new like offensive for- forces. I was actually looking at the um, like recent Norgen transfers. It's actually, it's actually insane uh, how much talent they've put out in the past like three, four seasons. Um, Noama, obviously the most expensive departure for twenty five mil, Sulemana for seventeen mil, and then uh, Andreas Shelderup who left. Uh, last winter, actually, to Benfica for nine million, Kudus nine million, Simon Adingra, who's having a very interesting season with Brian so far, uh, Mikael Damsgaard, uh, Skov Olsen, Slabotka, uh, so many like yes, established or, or like promising players that came out there, and the way they kind of um, pr- produce players <clears throat> with right to dream is something that's very unique. And rare in terms of they they stick by these kids from ten till sixteen, and if they if they don't make it as professional footballers, they'll kind of help them into other paths. And they're very kind of they've got that family feel, um, which is very different from most professional academies. Um, and I think it does create a certain type of willing kind of team player. Um, a lot of their values kind of create not good just good footballers but good people as well um and so i think that's that ethos is very 
um, prevalent in why they're so successful in, in producing um, such good footballers. Yeah, I think the the one that comes most uh, to mind as like the most similar project, I guess, is um, um, Mess FC Mess in France, who are co- collaborating with the the Generation Foot Academy yeah. in um, Senegal, uh, who have brought out uh, the likes of um, Pat Matarsar, um, recently uh, Lamine Kamara, who scored a a brace in the first uh, Afcon match. Sadio um, Mane, and yeah, was that was the yeah, same. yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, Sadio Mane, who is one of the ambassadors now, I believe, and yeah. who kind of recommends every Senegalese player to move to Mess if they're looking to make a step to Europe. So yeah, um, these these types of projects are always very interesting to follow. Um, and yeah, as you said, on top of just bringing out top top footballers, they tend to bring out uh, top top people as well. Um, which obviously facilitates um, their progression into the football world uh, as a professional, right? Like it's not it's not all about being a good player. Uh, if not, all we would have seen so many more like Brazilian prospects, for example, um, come out to be the the best player in the world. But often, when you you're moving into this new atmosphere of money and fame and all these things combined, you kind of do need to have that um, psychological guidance as well, uh, which I think these these projects and academies um, bring very well. Yeah, and I guess they, what they do best is kind of not just prepare them for kind of football careers, but but the amount of setbacks that football has, kind of the amount of ups and downs they're going to have, and and ways of dealing with setbacks and dealing with their career trajectory and not just like okay well how are we going to make money off this player how are we going to make them look most valuable by the time they break in so we can sell them for a profit how are we going to instead make their career successful um and their life successful past that so i think um it's such a good model i think of 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 an academy yeah and hopefully in that sense uh if osman does make the move to west ham uh they'll maybe keep keep guiding him on from there and uh, help him integrate into England and into the Premier League and all that. Are there some other players that West Ham have an eye on or are going to make yes, a move I on? I think um, the other two kind of main ones were, I guess, on probably the same list as Osman. Um, more established players, I'd say. So that's uh, Jota, who was previously at Celtic and moved to Saudi in the summer. Um, and Jack Clark, who was formerly of Tottenham, um, but currently having a very, very strong season in the championship with Sunderland. Um, and they all profile quite similar, I'd say. They're all kind of those 1v1 um, type wingers, which may, which is the reason I feel like that will be one of three. And that's kind of the list, and that's why the names are kind of circulating. Um, but they seem to have obviously gone for more potential rather than ready-made player which is which is probably a risk but i think the upside on osman is probably higher of both higher than both those players um who are both in their own right very very good footballers i think jack clark his his 1v1s have gone up a level um his ball striking when he comes in off the left flank is is very strong um jota it's hard to know where he's at he's had a kind of non-starting season difficult um, difficult yeah. adaptation um but he was very strong under 
Ange at Celtic and, yeah. and again an, another 1v1 sort of winger so they're, they're clearly looking for that profile but I, it looks like it's going to be um, Osman yeah I was super excited when I saw that um, they were looking at Jack Clark because I've had an eye on, on him for a while ever since he moved to the championship uh, and I was just thinking that him moving to West Ham looked exactly like the deal for Bowen a few seasons ago when he moved to whole city I believe yeah um yeah just like a, a champions championship proven winger um who still has room to improve specifically on the the fi- finishing department but just has so many pure qualities of just uh creating space and attacking attacking empty um space as well uh very athletic player you can you kind of have to be athletic to to break through in the championship so I think um, considering that championship and the Premier League are quite similar in that sense, uh, I think when uh, when Premier League clubs do do decide to to move for some players from from that division, um, it often does go go well. And I think yeah, Jack Clark. I was going to say that I think it's it's evident that that league scales so well to the Premier League because most of the kind of risks that I can think of that have been taken from Championship players, and I'm talking about kind of big money transfers in the championship relatively so you, the likes of you know ollie watkins um james madison ivan tony yeah. um, those kind of guys seem to really scale up well and i think that is because the culture of english football kind of obviously goes right down the pyramid and the quality of course goes up but um the transition is often more seamless than than it can be from coming from elsewhere that's why i was surprised that victor gyokeris wasn't picked up by a prem side but like, i think west ham, west ham wanted him apparently yeah actually you're right it was west ham who was on him um but considering the season he had with coventry um the fact that sporting ended up getting him like not even not even a prem side not even a, a t- i mean i guess portuguese league is is about the same level as as league but what i mean is like not even one of the top top clubs of europe went for him even though sporting is is an um massive club of course but you know what i mean um yeah that that commentary side had a, had a few good players last season gustavo hammer as well who moved to bournemouth um and he uh, was it hammer? yeah it was um it was um yeah, he's at Sheffield United. Oh, yeah. oh Sheffield, Sheffield. Yeah, yeah, it was Sheffield. Um, and yeah, he's, he's had a decent integration there as well. So yeah, as you said, uh, a lot of moves coming from the second division and a lot of them going well. So to be honest, if I was West Ham, I'd go for Jack Clark and probably Osman as a backup and send him on loan. That would be my move. But um, let's see what they, what they go for. Um, for my club, I was, ha- I was having a think through... Um, on some of the clubs who have had a decent window so far. Um, the first one that came to mind was Napoli. Um, they've, they've made, they've made um, three signings so far, uh, which have been Cyril um, Ngonj from Hellas Verona for 18 mil. So yeah, quite a big transfer um, coming as a like substitute right winger to... Politano, but I think he might be a, a decent steal for that amount. Uh, Serie A proven winger as well. I feel like Napoli often make um, d- 
decent um, moves on the windows, um, kind of looking for hidden gems here and there, even though uh, they lost their sporting director to uh, Juventus last season. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, they also got Hamid Junior Traore on loan from Bournemouth. Um, and they're looking to sign Umar Soli, the French center back from Red Bull Salzburg, um, which could be a, a decent signing as well. But actually, I think I think the best signing they've made um, could be Pasquale Mazzocchi, um, who, who is a, a right back, 28-year-old right back from Italy, who they signed from Salernitana. And the reason being, uh, I think uh, Napoli have uh, a, a knack for signing like some old, older um, defensive players uh, from often from the lower divisions. But this this time around, it was from Serie. Um, similarly to how they signed Giovanni, Giovanni Di Lorenzo from. Um, I think it was a Serie C. No, no, it was it was Serie A. It was Empoli actually, but he had just signed for Empoli from like a Serie C or something uh, side, and obviously is the captain now. So I feel like uh, Mazzucci might be on this on a similar uh, trajectory to that. So yeah, I'm quite excited to see how those moves go. Um, and another one I wanted to mention, even though I'm not at all a, a Serbian football specialist and can't really give my opinion on these players um but it's partisan belgrade who have been very active on the window specifically on the de- departure side of things uh selling mihailo Ilic to bologna 20 year old uh serbian center back who's meant to be like one of the top top serbian talents uh top top center backs talent as well um, and also sold uh, their midfielder Christian Belic to AZ Alkmaar. So two decent signings, four mil and four point five mil, uh, respectively. Um, which for 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 that division uh, and Serbian clubs in general is like some some decent fees. And they've replaced um, them with a good few signings. Uh, one of them being Nikola Milicic from. Radniki 1923, which is um, a Serbian club. I believe he's meant to be a, a quite promising um, young center back, only 19 years old. So actually pretty pretty insane replacing a 20-year-old with a 19-year-old. Uh, shows how quickly goes uh, things go for maybe the, 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 the smaller divisions of Europe. As soon as you have a, a promising player, he, he gets picked up right away. Uh, and they've signed an interesting uh, Korean league player, uh, who I've heard a, a bit about, who is Young Jun Go. So, yeah, I think just just some interesting moves from parties in Belgrade, who I think for the past few windows have been buying and selling a lot of players and, and doing some good business. So I definitely keep an eye on them. Um, but the club I did end up going for, uh, which I kind of had to, because I think they're having maybe the best window in terms of um, what they need and the quality of player that they got. Uh, and that would be Olympique Lyonnais, who obviously uh, had a very, very difficult start to the season. I think it was the worst start to the season of the club's history. Not even start to the season, the worst like first half to the season of the club's history. Um, only getting out of the red zone in the like last two or three matches. Uh, still, still not not um safe at all 
Uh, and they obviously had to make a lot of recruitments um, in this window to make sure that they wouldn't uh, avoid the catastrophe of being re- relegated. Um, yeah, so last last uh, summer, Lyon's um, transfers were blocked basically by uh, the France, um, can't remember what it's called, like basically the, the department which handles uh, transfers uh, was blocked. Um, and so they were only ma- able to make uh, loan, loan deals and a, and a few like smaller purchases. And for the winter, it was finally the block was the ban. Sorry, was um, lifted, so they were finally able to make some deals. And so they've kind of they've kind of gone ham on the on the window, uh, specifically targeting uh, Ghent, um, Ka Ghent, who kind of got stripped of two of their most promising players. The first one being Malik Fofana, the 18-year-old winger, um, who only just had started to perform for Ghent, and he's already gone. Um, who's actually, I, I was shocked to see that he moved to Lyon, considering how uh, how much hype had built up around him in the in the in the first few months of the season. And I don't know. I, I was thinking that considering Lyon's current state, they weren't in a position where they'd be able to attract this type of player. But apparently they have been. Kind of the same thing as with uh, Ernest Noama. I was kind of surprised at that point, but apparently the the, the, um, the history of the club has been performing well on that side of things. So yeah, an interesting transfer. Um, Lyon's attack is definitely uh, better than what it was at the start of the season. Uh, they, they also managed to offload a few players who maybe were taking up some precious squad space, specifically um, Tino Cadewere and Jeffinho, who were two like I don't know, mid-tier players, I guess. Uh, not exactly the level of player that you'd be expecting to be play, playing for also, um, OL. They cancelled the loan of Diego Moreira, didn't they? Who's a, well, very talented winger. Um, he's had some... Uh, he's he's at Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea bought him from Benfica. So he's Portuguese and Belgian, but he's um, owned by Chelsea. And I don't know, I, I had a lot of promise for him when I first came across him at Benfica, but he had kind of fallen out with the club over contract um, negotiations. And um, a lot of them were saying his attitude wasn't right. Um, I'm sorry, a lot of Benfica fans were saying his attitude weren't right. And yeah, so they terminated that loan, which which was surprising to me because I thought he'd, he'd do well there. But obviously they've bought in a kind of like for like, both in age profile and in positional profile um, in for Fana. so so yeah they look to have kind of changed that yeah exactly um i, I also heard um obviously i wasn't watching the benfica youth squad but i also heard that he had some problems some sort of problems with um attitude which i didn't notice at Lyon at all actually i thought his attitude was really good uh he, he didn't get many minutes but when he did play he he definitely made an impact even though it wasn't an insane impact. He's he's only just nineteen, so you can't expect uh, a nineteen-year-old to carry uh, such a club as Lyon in the position position that they were at. Uh, I thought he did decent, but also the thing is, like when you're in a situation like the one that Lyon was in or is in at the moment, uh, you kind of need every players to be every player to be concerned with the club's present and the club's future. And obviously, if one of your main squad players is on loan and knows that he's going back to 
uh, a huge club uh, in the summer and that and no matter the results uh, of the of the rest of the season it doesn't really matter for him on his uh, for for his career I guess not to uh, not to uh, judge him or anything like I, I I'm not saying he that's an attitude problem I'm just saying that if, if you're playing for Chelsea and you, yeah you belong to Chelsea like you're not gonna it's not going to change your life if Lyon don't get to where they want to be at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, so yeah, as you said, they, they kind of went for a similar profile in Malik Fofana, um, who they full-on purchased. So now he's at the club and has a contract there for a few seasons. So he'll be expected to be more um, concerned with the club's results than Diego Moreira would be. Um, and yeah, I, I said that they kind of stripped uh, Ghent of their top talents because Lyon also won, won in and got uh, Emmanuel Gift Orban, the Nigerian striker, 21-year-old from Ghent as well, uh, who's had kind of like a meteoric rise in the past two seasons maybe. He, he, he moved from Nigeria to Norway uh, two seasons ago had one season there where he scored about a game a goal uh then uh then a, a goal a game sorry then he moved on to ghent and had a similar similar start to life there where he yeah he he, he moved last winter and basically in half a season scored i want to say like 16 game 16 goals in 16 games or something along those lines uh scoring like f- four goals in a game uh, against um Basak Seir, I think, in the Conference League, scoring hat-tricks here and there. Like, an insane goal return goal return for a new player in a, in a new league and all that. Um, and last summer, uh, he was kind of pushing for a move away to continue this exciting, intense rise to, to fame and to power. Um, but Ghent kind of blocked his move away, wanting to keep him for another season, maybe. I think they apparently, yeah, because because Spurs were bidding um, when when Kane left, um, but they had a kind of set fee, I guess, um, that they wanted to pay, and I think in the end they they opted for for Alejo Valiz, the Argentinian, instead um, because of the the price that Gem were like demanding, basically. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's actually insane that Lyon have managed to sign a Spurs. Uh, transfer target from as as um, close as last summer. I, I don't understand how. I, I think I think was so. Looking at him um, in more detail, I think he he's very explosive, um, kind of low center of gravity, um, great ball striker. But he seemed to be overperforming his xG a lot. Um, yeah, which obviously. It's hard to know whether some players will obviously consistently overperform their XG and they are, you know, the best of best finishers. Um, the likes of Kane, Haaland, they'll, they'll kind of, they'll turn anything yeah. of a chance to, to a goal. Whereas with young players, it's always difficult to know whether that's a streak, um, whether they're overperforming their XG and those numbers will level out eventually or whether they are that good. And it seems like he's kind of settled down to, to kind of mean... Uh, the mean and yeah i think there's still a lot of ability there because of his kind of yeah explosiveness i i, I likened him to kind of um 
a younger Aguero in terms of style, in terms of that like low center of gravity, um, powerful ball striking, um, can create a yard in the box to 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 kind of get a shot off. Um, obviously, not the quality of Aguero, um, but but that kind of that <laughs> kind of player. Yeah, yeah, definitely not the quality of Aguero. I think if not, he he would already be uh, somewhere, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, as you said, uh, just a, a guy who is able to find space in the box and make the best out of his chances, I think is the best way to kind of sum him up. Uh, decent, like, um, tight-knit dribbling as well, so can get out of of um, opposition pressure quite easily at times. I think his biggest issue um, is maybe his team play. Uh, he's, he's, he's a bit um, soloist, I guess, uh, at times. Uh, kind of the striker mentality, just always wants to get on the score sheet. Actually, kind of um, impacts his game as well. I think when he when he doesn't score, he, he's kind of he kind of gets angry and doesn't want to play anymore. So yeah, kind of kind of a double edged sword in that sense. Kind of reminds me of uh, Mariano Diaz. I don't know if you know this guy. Uh, who yeah yeah. I mean, you definitely know him, but I don't know if you remember his time at Lyon. Um, obviously, a Real Madrid player who. Signed for Lyon back in 2017, 16, I want to say, um, and played one season there. And he's probably one of the the, the best one season players I, I, I've watched, or at least one of my favorite, because he came into Lyon and would just hit the ball as soon as he got it. Um, he he could receive the ball like on the on the side of the box and just whip it in, or even just shoot from like thirty meters out. And uh, sometimes it'd go in. Uh, sometimes it, it would. He would sky it, but sometimes it would go in. And he was just one of those exciting players who you, you never know what he's going to do. He can score from anywhere. Uh, he was. He was quite um, selfish, also with the use that with the way that he used the ball, um, and would also kind of complain when he didn't get on the score sheet. So in that sense, he's quite similar. Uh, unfortunately, ever since he went back to Real, his his career as a footballer has basically been over. But that one season I know was one to remember. And, and I feel like Orban is kind of a, a similar profile in that sense. Yeah, I um, guess with Orban's deficiencies in kind of link up and kind of connectivity with his because I think he is he's a he's a proper nine and he's not that bothered about kind of link up and stuff like that. If you can get uh Rayan Cherky kind of in his best form, um in the ten or even on the on the on a flank kind of he's a chance creating machine and I think if if you have Orban on the end of some of those cutbacks he puts into the box or um, crosses or through balls or whatever I think that could be a really really strong partnership if they get the dynamics right Um, obviously they're both they seem to be quite strong characters I could say Um, yeah definitely Orban is very yeah as you said goal hungry and, and yeah soloist Turkey, I, I think, is more seems more laid back, um, and you definitely need to get the kind of the the off pitch dynamics right uh, for that. But in terms of profiles, I think they could they could partner up really really strongly. Yeah, linking up with Lacazette as well, I think, will be a big plus for him because, um, yeah, on top of Turkey, just taking as many. Um, chance creating responsibilities off his off of his shoulder as possible and just have him be like a, a an electron who can just 
move around the box and get into some good positions. Um, I think that trio could definitely be um, an exciting one to watch in the second half of the season. I think what apparently what Lyon are aiming to to use is a um, three four one two formation, three five two with Shirky as a as a ten behind Orban and Lacazette and Fofana on the left, um, and then either Kumbedi or Clinton Mata on the right. So. I think that could be um, an exciting, I mean, a, a, a good formation, uh, especially considering that Ghent were also playing in a 3-5-2 uh, with, Malik, with uh, Fofana on the left and Orban as one of the strikers. So definitely, they'll definitely feel at home in that sense and I think it'll bring the best out of them. Um, in terms of other signings, uh, Lyon have brought in two Brazilian players kind of through... Uh, John Textor's connections with um, Botafogo, who's which is one of his other clubs, in which he has at least a majority um, stake, if not the whole club. So he brought in two players from there, who are Adrielson and Lucas Perry, so a center back and a goalkeeper, which I can't say I know too much about, so I can't really commentate on those. I think they'll at, at the very least be decent squad players, and maybe one of them will. Um, show to be like a a decent um, a decent transfer, um, and the final um, I, yeah, there, there's two rumors base, basically that are kind of closing in on for the for the um, for the rest of the window. One of them is um, Arnaut Danjuma, who I think could be a, a really good take, um, as we we're kind of mentioning uh, an ex uh, championship player. Um, who moved on to La Liga and since then hasn't been at his best. But I remember those days with Bournemouth, he was kind of ripping it up um, in the championship. I feel like the the level in Ligue 1 isn't too far dissimilar from the one in the championship. So I think he'd be a great addition. Obviously, he has a lot of experience now um, and brings some, some guarantees at least um, as an attacking player. And the final transfer that you are looking at, and I think this could be the, the steal of the window, is Ismail Yüksek from uh, Fenerbahce, uh, Turkish CDM. I believe he's twenty three or twenty four. Um, and I, I remember a few months ago, I was I was looking across a few European leagues at some like some of the best uh, midfield destroyers. I like to call them uh, just just excellent dual winners who are dominant both in the air and on, on the ground. And Yüksek was kind of um, breaking the breaking the numbers in that sense. Uh, he was kind of ahead um, in, in his league, in the, in the Turkish league, in both um, aerial and ground duels, and was had some of the top numbers in all of Europe. Um, and on top of that, his, his ball utilization and, and passing is also excellent. So a really, really good midfielder who got some hype, I, th- I want to say like two, two or three months ago, and then it kind of died down. Uh, I had heard that a few uh, Prem clubs were, were, were looking at him. But so yeah, Lyon are linked to him. I've reportedly sent a, a formal bid for him. So if that was to go through, um, I feel like that would be an insane deal considering that one of Lyon's biggest uh, downsides in, in recent times has been their midfield, so would definitely be a great addition. And I think uh, approaching the the final week of the of the transfer window, we could definitely be um, seeing some top top transfers going down.
Yeah, I can imagine that Leon have been kind of waiting for this January to come round because they've obviously been so, I mean, probably shocked, but also like worried about the state of the of the club, um, such a huge club, and and even the prospect of them getting relegated is probably shaking some guys at the top, and they and they've they've needed to act um, strongly in this January, and they look to be doing that, and I think. So even some of those names like Orban, Danjuma, they're they're big names. They're players that are probably linked to the Premier League. So to to get kind of at least one of them, or maybe even Danjuma too, is is big big moves. And and obviously they've taken their start very seriously in in terms of how worrying it is. Yeah, I mean they had the transfer ban, and I think all these guys are just targets from last summer who they weren't able to move on, and then. They're finally able to to go for them now. They, they they've also been linked to Nemanja Matic, um, who hasn't had the best time at Rennes so far. I think he had some contractual issues there, um, but apparently Rennes doesn't want to let him go to like a direct opposition. So that doesn't look like it'll be happening. But it sh- goes to show like the ambition that they've been showing uh, in the window, going for someone uh, like Nemanja Matic. But yeah, I think we'll we'll leave it off to there for now. Uh, I think next week we can definitely dive into some of the um, deadline transfers that'll be going down. Um, but until then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at here. And um, I just want to say thank you very much to everyone who's watching, uh, uh, listening. Sorry, uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, just a reminder: you can follow Kish at Rondo underscore Reports on x you can also follow me alfred at driver underscore ice i-c-e-e on x as well please also keep a lookout on our get football media outlets where we cover european football and world football with news videos opinions from some of the most plugged in analysts across the football landscape you can see a link in our show notes to all of our outlets please rate the podcast and give us a five-star review and feel free to leave a comment on our socials too thank you very much for listening and we look forward to the next one bye-bye